From Commando.com, welcome to the Tech Refresh Podcast, where we scour the internet to feature the digital news, gadgets, and stories to keep you up to date. Our promise, you give us about 30 minutes. We'll make sure you hear the in-the-know, go-to digital source for your friends and family. After an exhaustive nationwide search to find just the right digitally savvy host, uh, they finally gave up, and you got me. I'm Mike James, along with the Commando content queen, Ali Seligman. Hello, Mike. For the record, I think you're a great host. Thank you. And also, Ben Obi-Wan Bradley is with us. And just so everyone knows, I didn't come up with that. But the Force is with me, always. (laughs) I did, and I'm proud of it. Uh, We call him the news director at Commander.com. We have a ton of stuff to get to, as is every week. Scam of the week this week, just say no to pop-ups. Allie has that later on. In a few minutes, one place for all Windows 10 settings. I am really looking forward to this one. Windows 10 seems like the settings are everywhere. We've got a, a shortcut to to get to everything. Brand new or not true, this week, Allie's going to be stumping Ben and I like she normally does. Let's just sure face am. it. <laughs> also, later on our deep dive, what do you do with your old technology, uh, we're going to talk about that and some other things that uh, that will make that old tech come in handy. All right, we're going to start with the news and pretty big update on the future of satellite internet. Ben, yeah, so we're going to do a little uh, catch you up first. So you know, Elon Musk and his, his SpaceX company—they're kind of leading the way among all these companies that are planning to get these constellations of satellites into orbit to provide internet service for you know, well. Pretty much every place on Earth where broadband has always been inaccessible. Man, I know so many Commando listeners who are going to be thrilled at the idea of better Internet. Already more than a thousand of these Starlink satellites have been launched, and SpaceX is planning tens of thousands more over the next however long. You know, beta testing just expanded to include more people. It's got caveats, though, like a waiting list, even if you're eligible, a you know, $100 refundable deposit, which is nice. And eventually, $500 worth of equipment you have to pay for to make it work. Now, the initial promise was internet speeds up to 150 megabits per second in the, in the beta testing. But this week, some developments. So Elon Musk says that Starlink's speed is going to double uh, later this year to 300 megabits per second. And that the coverage will be available pretty much around most of the planet by the end of this year. Now, just to clarify, though, Starlink really is intended for people in areas with a lower population density. So think, like you talked about, rural. Uh, You know, for the big cities, uh, gigabit Internet service, you know, that's going to remain the fastest along with advancements in the 5G networks. You know, but if it does sound like Starlink could be the right fit for your situation, check out Starlink.com, and that's where you can enter your, your address to find out if you're eligible. And if so, then you can fill out the rest, pay the $100 to, you know, join the waiting list. But keep in mind, it could go on, that waiting list could go on for a few months. You know, you mentioned the high setup fees, the equipment you need, all that stuff. But I feel like if you're just stuck in a place with bad internet, it's going to be worth it. A few hundred bucks to pay and you actually get fast internet, like that's that's actually life-changing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a hundred bucks a month, which isn't, I mean, all things considered, not that different than what people in the cities pay for anyway. No. Well, compare it to what it is now or what it has been. So five years ago, let's say, if you wanted to get Internet in the middle of the ocean or in the middle of nowhere from a satellite link, you're talking thousands of dollars, even mm-hmm. thousand plus dollars per month. So compared to what, uh, as I always say. All right. Up next, uh, malware is coming after Macs. We've always thought that malware only goes to PCs. Oh. 
remember those good old days? Macs are immune from viruses? No, no, that has not been true for a very long time. And hackers are coming after the brand new Macs. Here's what's going on. Apple said so long to Intel chips and some of its latest machines. Its new M1 processor, made in-house, is super fast, performs really well. I've got a new MacBook, and it's awesome. But hackers are looking for chinks in the armor. Last week, security researchers at Red Canary discovered one of the first malware samples specifically tailored for these M1 chips. It's called, wait for it, Silver Sparrow. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, all these all the malware that they come up with, it really sounds like some B or C level supervillain or something. It just, you know, he's bad. You've never <laughs> yeah. heard of him, but, but. It's a project with the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you bought an Apple computer in the past few months, Listen up. It's already infected 30,000 new Apple computers. This includes the new MacBook Air, MacBook Pro 13-inch, and the Apple Mac Mini. Here's the really weird part, though. Silver Sparrow doesn't seem to do anything, or at least it hasn't yet. Red Canary and Apple both looked into it and say that the virus could deliver a, quote, potentially impactful payload at a moment's notice. But it hasn't done anything yet. It's all very strange. Apple revoked the developer certificates that allowed the virus to spread in the first place, and they're saying no new machines can be infected. So if you're not noticing anything weird, either it's because this hasn't actually done anything yet or it's not on your computer. So uh, while the virus doesn't really appear to have any malicious intent, at least not yet, Red Canary says this could have been extremely dangerous for systems and this is definitely not the last you're going to see of malware going after these chips. So be careful. Be careful what you click. Be careful what you download. Coming to a theater near you when theaters finally open, Red Canary versus Silver Sparrow. Dun, dun, dun. Nice, Ben. Opening uh, certain apps on your iPhone might bring up a prompt asking if you can connect to other devices. What should you do? Yeah, so that's all part of the... All the privacy initiative that Apple has rolled out in iOS 14. They keep updating, you know, with a dot, you know, 14.2, 14.3. Well, the one from a couple months ago, uh, when you started opening some of the apps on your iPhone or your iPad, there's a pop-up. And it says, you know, so-and-so app would like to find and connect to devices on your local network. Well, it is new, but it's not something you have to worry about, at least on the surface. Let's say you open Spotify and it wants to connect to the device as well. You know, if you want to stream it through a smart speaker, blue, you know, anything on your network like that, well, that makes sense. It's just Apple letting you know that, hey, this wants access. Same thing goes if, you know, you're trying to open Hulu and, you know, stream it through a Chromecast or something. It's going to want to connect to other devices on your network. So you can feel free to hit OK on those requests. And it, you only have to do it once per app. And so it's not taxing. But then, you know, you have the other apps like Facebook and Twitter and they're asking the same thing and lesser known chat apps and gaming apps and they want to connect to the devices on your network too now if you're wondering why those apps want to connect to the other devices when they seemingly have no reason to well you know what we kind of wonder that too they don't have a reason to they don't need to connect to those uh so you know when you've got social media apps and chat apps apps that you're not going to be connecting to other devices at any point Say no. And now if you've already accepted a lot of it, it's okay. Just tap settings on your iPhone or your iPad and then look for privacy and then tap on local network. And then from there, you can revoke any of those permissions that you've already given. So it's all good. Now I've been trained my default whenever I get one of those pop-ups that like, can we have access to this? I just like, no, no. 
no. And then, of course, every once in a while, it's like, oh, wait, I can't actually use this unless I give it some kind of permissions. But that's that's my rule of thumb. When in doubt, just say no. I guess. Well, we've been trained on the computer. Now everything, you know, it's do you want to accept the cookies? Every site, accept the cookies. And so you're just like, okay. Oh, no, I'm the opposite. No, no, no. <laughs> and then uh, I'll be realized like, oh, that's for my email. I better go back and find that one. <laughs> anyway. Um, what do you do with your own t- old tech? Everybody's got an old phone, old computers laying around that maybe they could repurpose, but not quite uh, sure. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, scam of the week is pop-ups um, on Adobe Flash. What's that all about? Brand new or not true is just ahead. Tech Refresh from Commander.com. We're back on the Tech Refresh podcast from Commander.com, and later on, we're going to tell you about uh, how a family took in a delivery driver in Texas. That's a feel-good story. And before we get to brand new or not true, we have a quick tip we want to share with you, a simple way to access all those Windows 10 settings. Yes, please tell us. Yeah, so, you know, at Commando.com, you're going to find various tips on Windows 10, you know, whether it's the latest features or customizing the start menu you know, and all the bad updates. But there's one, you know, time-saving trick that even after all these years, it still kind of flies under the radar, and it's called God Mode. Dun, dun, dun. Kind of goes with Silver Sparrow. And all that. <laughs> yeah. anyway, you know, what, what's sequel. nice is that over the past few years, Microsoft has really updated, you know, the Windows 10 settings menu. Uh, it's pretty easy, but you still have to navigate through the various options or use a search box to find exactly what you're looking for. So God Mode puts all of your PC's management controls and all those other settings in one place, and it's actually pretty easy to set up. So to start, you go to your desktop, and you just pretty much you right-click anywhere, and then you select New and Folder. Now, you have to rename that new folder, which it's an easy copy-and-paste job, but the new name consists of all kinds of letters and numbers. It's too long to rattle off, you know, on a podcast. But once you put in this specific name... Uh, to change that folder, it instantly turns into this configuration page where you can access, you know, administrative tools for optimizing or freeing up space on your hard drive or setting up new Bluetooth devices, changing default printers, managing your network, whatever. It's too much to list, but it's all right there. Just, you know, be careful around some of the advanced settings. God mode really goes into some of that stuff that you don't, if you don't know what it is, don't mess with it. Now at commando.com, we've posted a new report this week and it has those instructions to set up God Mode, including that special folder name that you just need to copy and paste over onto your desktop, and you're, you're all set. And to find it at Commander.com, you want to just go to Commander.com, and in the upper right, the search bar, what do you just search? Uh, God Mode? God Mode, yes. That'll do all right. That's hard to forget. Thank you. And it's time now for America's newest national game show sensation where you can play and guess, is it brand new or not true? Every week, literally thousands of new product sites, apps, and services are announced in the technology world. Some are destined for greatness. Others, not so much. Oftentimes, the products sound so crazy, outlandish, and just ridiculous. You sit back and think, what were they thinking? And before you know it, we've got a new tech millionaire. When playing Brand New or Not True, we'll present you, the home listener, with three products, sites, or ideas. It's up to you to decide what two of the three are real. And by the process of elimination, Ben and I are both going to find the product that's fake this week for the first time 
ever, probably, <laughs> or at least one of us. One of us. A little one while. of us. Is, all right. It has been a while. Allie has always some great products. Let's start with uh, product number one. All right. This week, got a theme. I like to do themes. Uh, this one's all about health. So let's start first. Have you ever used one of those magnifying mirrors that shows you every little thing on your skin? They're kind of horrifying. But think of this as the next step up. The High Mirror Plus is a smart beauty mirror that, yeah, it's a mirror, but really what makes it shine is the built-in facial recognition software that assesses your complexion, tracks your aging, and scores your skin to help you find a good skincare regimen. So you sit down in front of it, you line up your face within the presented guidelines, and you get this comprehensive report of your skin in just moments. High Mirror Skin Analysis Engine analyzes your wrinkles, your lines, circles, spots, pores, all kinds of stuff over time to see how your skin changes for better or worse. Every day, you can track the products you use in the High Mirror app to see if they're working or if you're just wasting a bunch of money on lotions and potions that don't do anything. You control this through Alexa or hand gestures because you don't want to get fingerprints all over the screen. The High Mirror Plus has 64 gigabytes of storage space, which is enough for four different people to use it if you have multiple people in your house who want to. And this thing will set you back 349 bucks. Okay, the High Mirror Plus for $349. Product number two. All right, let's move on to something a little less surface level. If you have a food allergy or know someone who does, it can range from either kind of annoying or really dangerous to eat out in a restaurant. Uh, if it's something like peanuts or shellfish, that can be a big disaster. So Allergy Eats is a website and an app that helps you find allergy-friendly restaurants wherever you are, and it's free. You can search for specific menus from more than 600,000 restaurants. You can read reviews. You can add comments to help other people out. You can even make reservations. And traveling. Traveling is where Allergy Eats really shines. Yeah, most of us aren't on the road right now. But when you are, you can view translated menus from across the world. That means you're not left guessing if you're eating something with, say, shrimp in it, if you're allergic to shellfish, if you're out of the country and don't know how to read the menu. This can remove a lot of stress if, again, if you or someone you love has an allergy. Uh, you can save your favorite restaurants, uh, share results, follow other diners with similar food allergies. Now, a little warning from the creators. This is a guide, not a guarantee. A lot of it is community sourced, so use at your own risk. Uh, it's ad supported, so that means for you, everything's free. You can download it for iOS, Android, or use it online. Good one. Allergy Eats. And it's free. Okay, go ahead. It's free. Last up, we've got the electric toothbrush to end all electric toothbrushes. So there are a ton of electric toothbrushes out there, and they all say that they're the best. And yeah, they'll probably all do a better job than their manual counterparts. But this one has way more than the normal bells and whistles. This is the smartest toothbrush you've ever seen. It's got seven smart modes based on your needs, like gum care, whitening, sensitive, even a super sensitive mode. That's cool. But then things get better. It's got enhanced smart sensors to alert you if you're pushing too hard or too soft when you're brushing. And then the real magic, 3D teeth tracking. AI is built into the toothbrush to monitor in real time to make sure you're hitting every surface of each tooth, the top, the front, the back. You open up the app as you're brushing so you can see if you missed anything, or you can go back later and see your score. This is based on your brush time. Make sure you brush for two minutes, everybody. Uh, coverage, so how much of your mouth you got, and any time you spent pushing too hard. So order this, it comes with the handle, a brush head, a replacement, a charger, and a case, and it's 219 bucks. 
All right. Those are my choices. Uh, those are Ben and I's choices. I always go first because they know I'll just choose what Ben does. Um, but, <laughs> hey, but you're this is not it. always a great uh, Not always. Strategy, not, but, but uh, all right. So, uh, so we have the High Mirror Plus um, and the Allergy Eats app and the electric toothbrush IO7 electric, which is kind of like a 3D, and it monitors what part of the mouth that you've already brushed and which part you missed. All right. I'm, I always start with the one that's most likely. And so I'm going to start with the Allergy Eats is most likely app just because it makes sense. There's people out there that would certainly use that. Ad supported is makes a lot of sense, especially if restaurants like Yelp, you know, on Yelp, restaurants can uh, can um, can advertise what their meals are. And uh, so that makes all kinds of sense. The High Mirror Plus uh, seems a little bit off. Is that more likely than the electric toothbrush? Boy, those two products uh, are hard to believe. Either one of them, $219 for a toothbrush, 3D toothbrush. I'm going to say that one's probably... Uh, uh, I wish everyone could see your face right now. Uh, They're turning. Health, health, high Mirror Plus Mirror. Uh, it tells you you have bad skin. I don't want to know. Okay, so I'm saying the electric <laughs> toothbrush is real. I'm going to go with the fake product is the High Mirror Plus. Ben. Okay. So the toothbrush, it, it sounds legit. I mean, I don't know the name of that one or anything, but I mean, it sounds like stuff that really exists right now or a few things that are coming. So I'm going to say that one is real. Now you got the other stuff, the... Allergy eats. Yeah. That sounds like it does a lot of stuff. I mean, it started going in the reservations and the translations and uh, kind of a funky name, you know. So I'm on the fence about that one. And you've got the mirror that, you know, maps your face like NASA maps the surface of Mars. And, you know, so I'm trying to, you know, come to terms with uh, how I feel about that one. Uh <laughs> Because I know there are some advanced mirrors out there, but gosh, that one is out there. Um, so I am going to say, I'm going to go with the mirror is also real, and I'm going to go with the allergy eats is fake, and I'm probably going to be wrong. Okay, so Mike, you think the fake product is the mirror. The mirror is real. And this thing is, I would not want to use this. Can you imagine getting a daily report of how messed up your skin is? No, thanks. Okay, Ben. Between the electric toothbrush and allergy eats, the electric toothbrush is in fact real. Allergy eats Wait, is fake. So I win? You win. win. I'm trying to remember what this yes. feels like. Hang on. Give me a second. <laughs> a so for the record, allergy eats is a real app and it is a real site. I did add in some features, and I I think I added too many. The reservations, though, that's real. They can do reservations, but... Uh, okay, well, I was just, it, it was a little bit, I mean, it sounded like, and it'll show your passport at the border of any country, you know, just like, it was just a little, wow, that really, that'll take care of it. Yeah, all. and this toothbrush, it's, it's actually from Earl B. I didn't include that because I want to throw you guys off a little bit with the name. That's, this is the product name of it, but yeah, it's a... Uh, it gets really good reviews. A lot of parents saying, my kid is so bad at brushing their teeth, and so this actually shows where they miss places. But I don't know many people buying their kid a $200 toothbrush. 
I would do circles in my chair right now, but I did it earlier and it made me kind of dizzy. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this week's edition of Brand New or Not True. Thanks to Ben and Allie. And up next, what do you do with your old tech? What uh, can you do with your old tech? Is it worth it? Also, the scam of the week this week, say no to pop-ups about Adobe Flash. And uh, later on, a family takes in a delivery driver. This is up in Texas where they have all the freezing. It's all coming up on Tech Refresh from Commander.com. Welcome back to Tech Refresh from Commander.com. Every week we give you the inside scoop on what's going on in tech. So you're in the know and the source of tech information for your friends and family. Every week about this time we take an in-depth look at issues that affect the technology lifestyle. This week we're going to take a look at old technology. What do you do with those old phones, computers, and tablets? Go ahead. Okay, so – you know, it doesn't matter if you upgrade your smartphone with every cycle or if you wait a few years. It's it's just not going to last forever. You know, the same goes for your laptop, your tablet, your smartwatch. So the topic today is what do you do with those gadgets when it's time to upgrade? Now, it's I'm not going into so much because, yeah, you can you know, repurpose them around your house. We've talked about things like that before. You can hand them down to other family members, donate them. But, you know, for me, it's different than how I used to. You know, like, you know, back in the day, a long time ago, I would keep some nostalgic devices like, you know, a circa 2000 Nokia phone or a a Palm Pilot from the late 90s. I've got a very early iPhone in my desk drawer that every once in a while I like to bring out and just think, I wish my phone was still this small. (laughs) What about those Nokias with the little belt clip? You remember those? I have one of those. It wasn't a full holster, but the little belt clip that connected around the circle, and you could just like the clickiness that you know to to detach it. It was so satisfying. Real cool. I know. I did. I did. Sunglasses and everything. Well, you know that was different. And computers and phones these days are they're just they're not the same. They're you know full of information. Everybody wants them. And when you do upgrade whether it's been a couple of years or not, they can still be worth a few hundred bucks. And if you're not looking to just stash it or, you know, repurpose it, um, for me, I try to sell it. But wh- let's kind of hear from you guys first. Allie, what, I mean, what do you do with some of your more recent older tech? I'm a stasher. Um, I, I, I like to think that I'd be somebody who like traded in my stuff or sold it or whatever, but I don't. I just put it uh, in a cabinet. We've got a nice stack of laptops and old iPads and stuff that, you know, I, when I was buying my new MacBook, um, I looked and my, my last MacBook was actually, it was like 250 bucks of, of trade-in value. I forgot. <laughs> so I didn't do it, but, uh, yeah, I've just got them squirreled away all over the house. That's what I do. Yes. That's me shaking my head. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can feel oh. It. oh, uh, so no, I'm, I, a little bit of both. I, um, I gave my, one of my iPads to my mom who loves it. And, uh, one of my old phones to my dad who loves it just, just so he's kind of, he doesn't even use the cell signal. He just is connected, you know, in the house for if he needs any help with anything. And uh, and then do I also have a stack? I I said I got that old Nokia phone with the little ball on it. I don't <laughs> think I have my first BlackBerry. I wish I did. Oh, I, I wish, wish I, I kept my, my own. Oh, yeah, me too. me too. I loved the pearl, the little scrolly. Oh, that was yeah. a great pearl. phone. Yeah, yeah, I loved that one. Yeah, I I think the thing. So the big difference, Ben. I'm going to out you on this, Ben. 
gets like every new phone. <laughs> Sorry, not Ben. Every, every. And, it's not like my phone is dead to me anytime a new one is announced. <laughs> Uh, it kind of is. And I use my phones until they're broken. I, I use it until I can't anymore. And so I don't have like, you know, a brand new or a year old phone sitting around that, yeah, I should sell that. And so I think our situations are a little different. A little bit, a little bit. Well, I, I, okay. As far as some of the old stuff, like computers, we'll keep a lot of those around. You know, my wife likes to take them apart and she's just like Frankenstein's if we need like, you know, RAM out of this one or you know, this this got a better hard drive, we can move it over, you know, things like that. So we keep that kind of stuff. But as far as the smaller stuff, the phones, um, you know, I know what I, over the past few years, I know what I've come to like and I know what I don't in terms of getting rid of it. I used to sell things like that on eBay. Um, you know, you go through the process, like you, you put a phone on eBay, you list every detail, good and bad, you know, all the photos that show any imperfections. And then it sells in like two days and you're, yeah, it's great until the buyer complains a few days later that you didn't describe some blemish that you did, but they still want a refund. And, you know, and it's it's just a huge pain. And the same thing, like, I don't like selling them on Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. You know, like on Facebook, you know, if you're trying to sell, I don't know, a pair of shoes or jeans, whatever, no big deal. But if you're selling something expensive, you know, my experience, you'll start getting these lowball requests from noticeably new Facebook accounts with not a lot of visible information. And, you know, I just, I don't have any interest in being robbed. So, yeah. So I started looking at other places online and, you know, Best Buy, you can do trade-ins. They don't offer you much. Some of the other places like that, they don't. But I found a site called Declutter and it's awesome. Uh, We have all the details on Declutter at commando.com. But let me just tell you my personal experience because I've used it now three times. First time, you don't even have to sign up. And I had... It was my kid's old Samsung phone, uh, and it wanted you to what's model, the storage capacity, what condition, and it instantly gave me a quote for what they were willing to pay for it. And I did a little research, and okay, it was a few bucks less than what I could get trying to sell it on eBay or something else, but they didn't want, like the box, they didn't want the charger that came with it or the earbuds. You get to keep all that stuff, which, I don't know about you, but having the extra chargers, that's good. And... It was easy. So I signed up. I did it. They send me this kit via email with all the mailing instructions to drop it off UPS. It gets there. They check it and everything's good. They drop the money right into your checking account or your PayPal account. And like I said, I've used it three times, two phones and a smartwatch. And I would recommend that way to sell your old tech to anyone. It's great. Did you get the amount that they quoted you every time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine if somebody's being a little more optimistic about the condition, saying, "Oh, it's excellent," and they say it's fair, they'll probably dock you, or they'll just send it back. But no, every time I send it, they've given me exactly what they said they would. So, and then of course we'd be remiss if we didn't say, if you're going to sell something, you have to make sure that you wipe everything off of it. Phones, computers, there's so much data stored in those. Yeah, back up your stuff and then wipe it. For Windows, um, we really like Eraser. That's a, a great software tool that makes it really easy for Mac. Permanent eraser is really good. And then for both, CCleaner is awesome. We've got all these on the website. Um, if you go to commando.com and, oh gosh, you could search for lots of things, but selling tech, I'm sure it comes up yes, there. But back it up. <laughs> all right. There you go. Uh, it's Tech Refresh Podcast. One of the things we promise every week is to keep you posted on what's going on with the digital lifestyle that includes keeping you from getting scammed. So Every week we talk about a new scam that you need to watch out for 
And this week's, it's about, uh, well, Adobe Flash players uh, having some pop-ups, I guess. Oh, Flash. Okay, we've been telling you about this for weeks. Flash is dead. A little, Mike, can we put in a moment of silence for all those terrible games? Terrible, terrible websites. Anyway, Microsoft is pushing out an update. You can't opt out of this one. It's They forced onto your computer to get Flash off. Um, if you have a Mac, you need to do it yourself. But surprise, there's a fake alert going around that might have you believe Flash is still holding on. And it's spreading in a pretty clever way. So cyber criminals are making fake stories, uh, posting them online that they know Google will index. And so then if you do a search or maybe you have a Google alert set up for something similar, you'll get to these stories. And if you click one, you'll get a prompt that says... Yes, your Adobe Flash player is out of date. Uh, Then you're taken to a malicious site that's trying to steal whatever it can, your data, install some malware on your computer, lots of fun stuff. So say it with me, Flash is dead, RIP Flash. (laughs) You can't can't update it. You can't do anything but delete it. So get it off your computer. Um, The scammers aren't really lying. Your Flash player is out of date. (laughs) Not in the way they're trying to. For once, they're telling the truth. All right, just ahead, we're going to talk about a delivery driver who got stuck in the storms in Texas and a family took him in. And uh, that's next on Tech Refresh from Commander.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tech Refresh podcast heard exclusively on the Tech You Should Know podcast from Commando.com. If you haven't already, make sure you click the subscribe button so you get these podcasts delivered automatically every Friday with the Tech You Should Know. And that also gets you the special feature podcast, including this week's uh, Tech You Should Know about digital privacy and taking a hard look at your apps. Kim had the great pleasure of talking to Sean O'Brien. He's an executive with ExpressVPN. We always talk Talk about privacy and how these apps are uh, taking your information. And he uh, actually ExpressVPN commissioned a study, like a six-month study on what these apps were getting, what kind, what they, they were tracking about you on your phone, smartphone, or your smart devices, I should say. And it is a fascinating look. It's a 40-minute podcast, and you will know, you'll be an expert in how these apps are tracking you. So again, that's this week on the Tech You Should Know podcast. Podcast. And, uh, hey, we've got a story about a family taking in a delivery dryer and all this mess that's going on in Texas. Go ahead. Yeah, it's human nature, right? In really hard times, we like to look for the good. And it's been a tremendously rough week in Texas. And there are so many stories about people stepping up to help however they can. Um, I've seen lots of plumbers who are donating their, donating their time. Uh, there are restaurants giving out water and hot meals, and it goes on and on. But here's a story I really loved. Nina Richardson and Doug Condon, they're a married couple. They welcomed in a delivery driver when it was no longer safe for her, for her to be on the road. Her name is Chelsea Timmons, and she works at HEB, which is a grocery chain in Texas. This was her last stop of the day. She went to their house. Uh, They live in Austin, and it was just getting too dangerous on the road. So she said, okay, after this one, I'm done. Well, she ended up getting stuck in their driveway and kind of – it was a steep driveway, and she kind of rolled down into their garden. She was trying to deal with it, didn't want to make a big deal. She called AAA, but they were so backed up. And so the couple came out, tried to help her, and they couldn't get the car out. So instead of, you know, freaking out about it, they invited her to come inside because the storm was getting worse. So she had dinner with them. They talked. She told them about her dream of opening a bakery. They asked her to stay the night because it was too dangerous for her to leave. She even baked them a cake as a little thank you. 
she ended up staying with them for five days. And it was really good for her because her apartment had lost power and water along with, you know, the houses of most of her family. She said being stuck here actually turned out to be a better situation. And I love this. Doug said, we have daughters and we hope if they were ever in a situation like this, there would be someone who would open up their house and help them. So beautiful story. Neighbors helping neighbors. Yeah. So you hear about all the bad. And I mean, that's because it is bad, but it is nice to hear. That's refreshing. At least there's some kind of silver lining, any kind of happy story that could, you know, and all that. Thank you for that, Allie. Hey, if you'd like to comment about the podcast, good or bad, mostly good, send us an email to podcasts at commander.com. Again, that's podcast, plural, at commander.com. On behalf of Ben and Allie, I'm Mike. We'll see you next time. And for the latest digital news and articles anytime, go to commander.com with a K. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O. 